and scene. And now for Radio 4's Book of the Week, we have the former Prince Henry reading from his autobiographical memoir, Superfluous. When I reached the requisite age, it was time for me to go to school and join my brother, my darling brother, the future King of England, Wilfred. I remember being dropped off at the end of the driveway and and running up the gravel with much excitement, laughing and guffawing and spinning around in the air like a hyena, as I often did. Wilfred was at the top of the driveway by the stairs leading up to the main school building with a selection of his so-called friends. I approached him giddy with excitement, almost wetting myself, delighted to see him. I shouted, Wilfred, Wilfred, Wilfie, it's me. He turned and looked at me coldly and said, a sphincter says what? He said it very quickly, so I couldn't make out the words he was using. I said, I'm sorry, Wilfred, it's me, Henry. And I laughed and guffawed and spun around again my orange hair glistening in the sunlight. His friends were laughing. He said again very quickly, a sphincter says what? I said what? And then he started laughing and his eyes closed in a cruel way. He turned and he walked away. It was only years later I reconciled that the future King of England had called me an asshole. And scene. Uh, It's coming up to 8 o'clock on the hour on the Today programme and we're joined now, unfortunately, by Justin Smetherby, the most junior of ministers for the fishery, who's come in to defend the government's most unreasonable stance on restricting strike action. Sit down and talk to us now. What on earth are you thinking? I mean, this legislation is wide-ranging and disgusting in the right so that it strips away from the hard-working people of this country. And you have targeted the most essential workers who are under the most phenomenal pressure. How do you defend yourself? Uh, Well, first of all, John, good morning. Uh, Pleasure to be here. Uh, Thank you for inviting me on. Good morning. Um, Second of all, this is very typical of the BBC in their their anti-conservative, pro Yes, we've all heard this claptrap from you people before. But but I think your introduction speaks for itself. First of all, this is not anti-strike legislation this is pro-work legislation to protect the safety of the public fantastic let's be very clear all of the workers on the list have the right to go on strike do they they do they absolutely do i i i i I applaud the right to strike what this legislation is you're you're cheering them on are you they're right to strike so they important. have the right to strike and they, they have your full support in their strike they, actions they, do they they is that have what you're the saying right the government to strike John, government John, i'm not going to play your games they have the right to strike what this legislation is doing no one's playing games saying, here junior minister john what this legislation is saying is that when these people have the right to strike they must provide a minimum level of service so the public the hard-working, tax-paying British public is not put at risk. So they can go on strike as long as they carry on working. Is that what you're saying? As long as there's a minimum Don't you realize level how, of service. How pathetic that sounds, John. If you think it's pathetic to ensure the British public have access to emergency services in the event of emergencies such as heart attacks and strokes, if you think that 
It's no, pathetic. but I think it's ridiculous that these people are working so hard and yeah. they're not adequately rewarded by you. God, they're adequately rewarded, John. Don't be silly. Th- this legislation is there to protect the public, okay? Not the narrow-minded interests of, of lefty Bolshevik Union barons. But it doesn't, repre- res- doesn't protect the public who are actually performing these roles, does it? What this does is there's a, 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 a fairly short, fairly narrow list of... of critical services which must always be available for the public okay and i've got the list here and i'm prepared to run through it with you if you can give me the time you have targeted the most essential hard-working people and then thrown in some totally spurious references just to give the appearance of balance run through your pathetic list now you silly little junior man that is is, is get not, on with it's it. not unbiased get on with it john get on with it I will go through the list as as I originally suggested, John. So first of all, doctors. There must be a minimum level of service provided by doctors for the hard-working people of this country who may fall ill. John, so I'm sorry if you have a problem with that. Doctors can no longer go on strike, then. I did not say that. There must be a minimum level of service. Equally, ice cream vendors, including those who deliver via van. Who gives a monkey's... Including John. Don't, don't show your own bigotry, including gelato, OK? People in this country deserve access to ice cream. We will not apologise for that. Nurses, again, critical care. Again? Those places where the fish nibble your feet, nibble the skin off your feet. Oh, the the pedi- people in this country... Pedicure places. Pedicure with the little fish in the, in the, like the paddling pool. I haven't seen one of them for years. No, I think they must exist. I, I, there used to be a couple in my high school. Anyway, really we're off the rooftop. Sorry, John, yes. yes. So, postal workers... People. Lots of strikes recently. No, people need their correspondence, John. Uh, uh, sunglass huts, employees of. The single franchise sunglass yes, huts. Yes, the single franchise. Do you not care about the retinas of the people in this country in the front of the burning sun, John? Well, people are independent retailers oh, who sell sunglasses you don't, John, you don't care about. I'm sorry, John, I'm going to carry on. If ambulance it's... drivers. Do you not think people should have ambulances in, well, I... in the face of heart attacks, stress? I also think that people Are you who... going to defend that? I think people who drive ambulances should be adequately rewarded for their actions. And in this time of gross economic misery brought about by your pathetic government... So, isn't it... so, so you agree that people who have heart attacks shouldn't have access to ambulance drivers? That's good to know, John. I'll, I'll remember that for next time. I'm going to carry on. Maybe they could just go and have an ice cream I'm or perhaps get their on. fish nibbled. Well, if uh, you had your way, they wouldn't because they'd all be on strike. Door-to-door vacuum cleaner salesman. Okay, the <gasps> backbone, the backbone of this country. Do not forget it. Train drivers. How removed from reality are you? Train drivers, farriers, horses must be shooed. How have you gone from train drivers to farriers? How many farriers are there in this country? Who gives a rat behind it's about a, a farrier? It's a list. I know and it's a list, but how day the people outside. If you took for once left the M25, John, people up and down this country care about access to farriers. Oh, horses in, must be shooed. I'm in a London bubble, am I? Yeah, absolutely, you're in a London bubble. Paramedics, okay, yes, paramedics. Pay them adequately. They won't strike. They are paid adequately. People need access to care. Claire's accessories, employees of. The hard-working people of this country need access to hair grips, they need access to bobby pins, and they need access to affordable ear-piercing facilities. I put it to you... And this is to I name just it, a few. I put it to you. You came up with a list of the most hard-working, hard-done-by people, and then you went for a walk through a, a local run-down 
precinct and came up with some other categories. And God knows where Farriers came into it. Maybe it was something you did at the weekend. I Justin Smetherby, thank you very much I for think coming it's in this morning. Thank to you say very the much. Workers of Claire's accessories you are particularly much. hard done by. Thank you very much, Justin. Thank you, Justin. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And scene. And now for Radio 4's Book of the Week, we have the former Prince Henry reading from his autobiographical memoir, Superfluous. As I began my 17th year studying for the second year of my A-levels at school, I fell yet again for the dreadful prank of the sharpened bayonet and the director's chair. My anus was sliced open by a good four inches and this was causing me considerable discomfort. As I'd done several times before, I made my way to the office of Nanny Chuffbury, who was the on-site physician who cared for us lads. I perched myself on the bed, somehow gripping both my ankles and presenting my bottom half to her, saying, what can I do, Nanny? It's very painful. It's very painful when I do dirties. Nanny looked at me, somewhat bemused and said well that'll become infected the best thing you can do prince henry is get yourself a bottle of bodicea the victorious blue sapphire supercharged pure perfume from harrods and splash it on there nightly the name brought back such memories my dear mamma princess deirdre used it liberally on herself I went to my private dorm room after making the purchase and prepared myself. Bottom half naked on the bed, somehow again presenting myself, I managed to get a good handful of the perfume, splashed it tentatively over my split hole. After I'd stopped screaming, the smell wafted up and I was taken back to those childhood days when my dear mamma would care for me. Oh, dear mamma, dear mamma, here I am with my split anus and just the smell of you to remind me. I splashed on another handful and again once I'd stopped screaming, the tears in my eyes forming, not just for the sharpened pain I felt down below, but for the loss of dear mamma. And that smell made me think that my dear mamma was there tending to my tattered anus one last time. And scene. Morning, boss. All right, Hurley, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Uh, as you know, I'm sort of new, new to this game, new chief reporter on the entertainment's desk. I j just need a bit of help with some of the uh, second mentions from the big uh, do last night. Yeah, well, I'm expecting 500 words about the BAFTA after party. What have you got? Well, so there was, a, there was a number of celebrities there. I want to sort of go through the list, but I, I need some second mentions. I need some knobbly monsters. All right, crocodiles. So you want some crocodiles? Fair enough. What have you got? Who, who was there? What fuckers were there? Uh, well, so first of all, we had Russell Grant. Oh, Russell Grant. Bloody, is he still alive? Um, Just about. A feet portly stargazer. Okay. Uh, Russell Brand. Russell Brand. Um, I would go with stick Thin political jester. Okay, good. Stick thin political. Mary Berry. Mary Berry. Berry. Uh, I would go with fossilized doyen of delicacies. 
Okay, I love that. That's that's great. Uh, Dina Smith is also there. Oh crikey! Um, oh god, forgotten frumpy food mistress. Okay, there's several chefs. You also had Gordon Ramsay. Bloody hell, you did, didn't you? Um, oh, it's got to be uh, cursing, crinkly-faced cook. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, I can work with that. Michael Burke. That was a bit from change things up. Bit from left field. The old um, yeah, the uh, oh, I don't know. I'd go with the dour and sour godfather of famine. Oh, okay. Wouldn't, wouldn't have seen that one coming. Uh, Vanessa Phelps. Well, that's uh, oh, let me think. Uh, platinum-haired, custard-guzzling female broadcaster. Okay, but quite biting. Okay, I'm sure the readership will lap that up. Uh, Lee Ryan. <laughs> Lee Ryan, bloody hell. That's uh, a name I've not heard for a while. It was, uh, it was a D-list event. I know. Okay, air hostess, hassling, subpar warbler. Ooh, okay. Uh, similar vein, Robbie Williams. Oh, dear. Um, asinine, alien, alien-hunting... Former pop star. Former pop. You won't like that. I know. Former, <laughs> yeah, I hate that, won't he? You will hate that. Uh, they, they, he hates us already, so that'll be fine. Uh, Philip Schofield. Oh, that's an easy one. Silver-haired, recently revealed lover of young men. Ooh. True. Accurate. Yeah, he can't sue for that. He can't, no, he, can't, he definitely he can't. He loves sue. those young boys. He can't sue for that. And, of course, partner in crime, Holly Willoughby. <laughs> OK, uh, the uh, co-cue-jumping cutie. Co-cue-jumping. Put them two together, though, yeah, right? Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll put those two together. And lastly, and, and actually certainly leastly, uh, Jim Davidson. Oh, former comedian and current full-time misogynist, racist... Racist xenophobe. Racist xenophobe. Brilliant. I'll have 500 words by lunchtime. And scene. And now for Radio 4's Book of the Week, we have the former Prince Henry reading from his autobiographical memoir, Superfluous. It was time for the annual Eton Costume Ball. And as ever, I was in a quandary about what costume to wear. I'd had three bespoke costumes made by the tailors that lived in the basement of the house in which I was living. My first costume that I presented to an awaiting Wilfred and Caitlin was Idi Amin. They looked but were unsure, shrugging. Try another, try another, Caitlin said as she drank another glass of Prosecco. Next, I presented myself as Colonel Gaddafi. They laughed again, but something wasn't quite right. My last throw of the dice was Osama bin Laden, and I strode into the room like the tall terrorist to see their reaction. Caitlin shrugged. Oh, it doesn't look right. It doesn't look right at all. Try Iddy again. Do Iddy. And Wilfred giggled like a girl. After the requisite time required to apply the blackface, I came back in. Caitlin this time, several glasses through the bottle, laughed hysterically. Oh, you do look stupid. You do look stupid, Henry. You look like a Duracell battery. 
Look at you with your black face and your orange hair. That's hysterical. He looks like a Duracell, doesn't he? Doesn't he look like a Duracell? And she rolled around on the floor laughing hysterically. Wilfred joined in. Looking at me, he looked and said, Sphinx says what? Again, I didn't hear him. I said, I'm sorry, Wilfred, what did you say? A sphincter says what? One more time he said it, and I looked at him and his eyes closed cruelly. He was laughing hysterically, almost wetting himself with delight. I realised for the second time the future King of England had called me an asshole. I turned abruptly and marched out the room, heading to the party. I think I heard the call behind me as Wilfred called the Palace Publicity Office. And scene.